Welcome to SonaCast, a podcast from the team at Sona Nanotech Inc. Sona's unique gold nanorods will power next generation diagnostic devices and medical applications. In every podcast, we seek to learn more about our industry with expert insight and special guests. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of SonaCast. Undercover Colours made headlines a few years ago for its idea to detect date rape drugs in alcohol using coloured nail varnish. Today, that idea has transformed into SipChip, a lateral flow-based device that can detect beverages spiked with drugs, commonly called roofies, in just 30 seconds. In this episode, we speak to Undercover Colours Director of R&D, Dr. Nick Letourneau, about SipChip and his company's fight against drug-facilitated sexual assault. Hello, I'm Darren Evans, Sonus Head of Communications, and I'm here with Dr. Nick Letourneau, the Director of Research and Development for Undercover Colours. Um, Nick's company has developed SipChip, a lateral flow-based device to detect date-rape drugs in drink. And it's been gaining a lot of attention here at the Advanced Lateral Flow Course 2019 in San Diego. Um, Nick, first of all, can you tell me how this idea came about? Yeah, it originally started back in uh, 2014 um, as an engineering student project out of NC State University. Um, the founders had some personal experiences with drug-facilitated sexual assault and wanted to come up with a product to uh, prevent it from happening again. So I was brought on board, and that's when we began the development uh, of the SIP chip. Okay, so what's your background then in terms of your um, scientific expertise? Sure. Um, well, my undergraduate studies were in biomolecular sciences, which gave me a pretty strong background in understanding biochemistry. Uh, then I went on to do my graduate work in uh, organic chemistry. So my PhD is uh, in organic chemistry. Both are from Clarkson University. Okay. Now, when the idea was originally mooted, it was uh, in a uh, nail varnish form that you would dip a nail in the drink and it would change colour. Um, I know there was a lot of excitement, a lot of headlines around the world at the time, but there was no specific science behind it at that point, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, there was a patent that had been issued back in 2007 to a group of four people, but uh, the patent really just covered the concept of uh, nail polish varnish that detected um, uh, date rape drugs. It didn't really reduce it to practice. So. Uh, when I was originally brought on board, that's what we started working on. And, you know, we got to prototypes that were working. Uh, our detection technology was detecting the drugs. But there were other product requirements that really required us to, to look at other form factors for our detection technology, moving from the polish to a nail sticker to a press-on press nail, and eventually, uh, ultimately, to our SIP chip. Okay, so when did lateral flow technology kind of enter the uh, equation? Yeah, so lateral flow entered in about about halfway through it all in 2016. Um, this was because lateral flow offered a huge range of chemistries that we could incorporate onto the test strip. We had started off with some basic chemical indicators, but we really needed higher sensitivity and specificity to work in such a complex sample matrix like um, these alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. Okay, so can you describe the SIP chip today then? How does it work? What does it look like? And, and the, perhaps some of the little bit of technology inside it. Sure. So the SIP chip today is um, it's about a quarter-sized device. It uh, fits in your pocket or can clip to the back of your cell phone or your keychain. 
Um, it's made up of several layers. Uh, the first layer being something to prevent moisture ingress. The second layer being a desiccant that's incorporated within this quarter size device. Um, then you have a test strip sandwiched um, in between a layer that seals in the test strip and a hard outer shell to protect everything. This is uh, absolutely critical because it prevents flooding of our test. Um, it can't always be used in controlled conditions. So you'll have you know, a potentially intoxicated person either dumping a beverage, dipping the sip chip in there, or using it as directed. It needs to be able to work in all of those conditions. And a lot of the design elements of the sip chip went into reducing the possibility of user error. Okay, and how accurate is it? And I know it can work on a number of different drinks. Uh, how, how many different drinks is it uh, useful for? Yeah, I mean, we've tested well over 100 beverages uh, at this point. Uh, our accuracy is above 99%. Uh, right now, we're sitting about 99.3%. Um, we err on the side of sensitivity due to the severity of what a false negative uh, outcome would be. So why we're not 100% is because of uh, some of that, some of the specificity um, challenges, but um, overall it's the most accurate test on the market uh, today, and in fact one of the only truly tested uh, date rape drug tests out there. And specifically what date rape drugs will it detect? Yeah, it detects benzodiazepines, which are uh, the most commonly used date rape drugs right now. Um, think of Rohypnol, Valium, Xanax, and then some lesser-known ones like um, uh, Restoril, which is Temazepam, and Midazolam, which is Versed. Yeah. How do you ensure then that there's no cross-contamination? Because you know these are going to be used by potentially uh, intoxicated people in you know social settings, definitely not in lab-based settings. How do you ensure that the tests uh, are going to deliver accurate results? Because I mean, presumably, you know, they could be touching surfaces that might have narcotics on them already in, in places like this. They might even be, you know, taking narcotics themselves or, you know, in contact with people who are. So how do you eliminate those potential cross-contamination risks? Yeah, it's a great question and one that's come up. So we've done a lot of user testing in sort of uncontrolled conditions that would allow for us to get get uh, exposure to some of these potential interferences. But at the same time, we really honed in on, on our, um, I guess, specificity for the benzodiazepine family. We did test cross-reactivities uh, cross with several other drugs um, and found that there weren't any issues. At the same time, uh, we had to tune our sensitivity to meet what the threshold doses of each of these drugs would be in the various uh, drinks that they may be tested in. So by setting that our, our sensitivity, our, our uh, analytical limit of detection at that threshold dose, we're able to detect very small quantities, but if there were quantities less than that, that maybe are trace from fingertips or glasses, residue, whatever it may be, it would likely fall below that threshold dose. So there uh, wouldn't be necessarily an effect on the user, uh, and we most likely wouldn't uh, pick that up as interference. Mm, okay. Um and I know that when this idea was first um, presented to the world, it, it was 
you know, very well received and, and received a lot of publicity. But there were also some concerns um, about, you know, potential victim blaming. There were lots of social concerns around um, the fact that we should be talking about prevention of this crime rather than this sort of aspect. I know you've done a lot of work as a company since then in terms of addressing those concerns. Could you tell me a little bit about that work and, uh, you know, what you do these days to, to reach out? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, as we were going through the product development process and looking at uh, the nail polish, nail sticker, press-on nail, it was all very oriented towards our, our female demographic. And uh, with the sort of explosion of publicity and uh, public awareness around uh, sexual assault in general, and also specifically drug-facilitated sexual assault, uh, the the public conversation changed to it's a problem for men and women so we had to adapt that and adapt our product to address that which is where we shifted into uh, the sip chip which is you know being just a quarter size device it can be used by anyone without any sort of real um, gender bias it also uh, we used accessories to incorporate it sort of seamlessly into people's lifestyle so they don't have to worry about it we've like I mentioned, the, the accessory that clips on the back of the phone or onto your keychain. Um, and we continue to participate in that broader conversation publicly um, through our social media channels. We're continuing to try to educate people. We're partnering with folks like It's On Us and um, Rain uh, to try to raise awareness around this issue as well. Okay, I mean, this is very much a product now that is available, that's on the market, that, that's retailing. Um, how can people buy it? How much does it cost? And where is it on sale at the moment? What markets? Sure. Um, you can buy it at our, in, if you're in the U.S. on our website, um, undercovercolors.com. You can also find it on Amazon. We're currently working to set up distribution partners across the world. Um, we now have one set up in the U.K. that is going to be launching a website next week. Um, there's also now one in Denmark, and we've got distributors in uh, South Africa, South Korea, um, and India as well. And have there been any regulatory barriers that you've had to overcome? There haven't, um, interestingly enough. But what we're doing is we're testing pre-consumption. So that's really what moves us into the unregulated realm. So we're not diagnosing uh, or treating uh, or even really preventing a disease per se. Um, we are testing a, a food to see if it's basically safe to consume. Um, if we were to kind of cross that barrier and test someone's saliva for the presence of it or to test urine for it, uh, for the presence of these drugs, then we would be moving into a regulated space. Uh, but at this time, for, for speed to market and for making sure this product is out there and people can use it and we can start preventing these uh, assaults as quickly as possible, we stuck to testing pre-consumption. Okay. And listening to your presentation earlier, you um, highlighted some feedback that you've had about people that have used this um, device and that they've uh, potentially stopped them from becoming a victim. Yeah, that was really one of the most rewarding days out of uh, this entire journey of Undercover Colors over the last four and a half years. Um, we had a, a one case that really sticks out in my mind is a, a woman was at a music festival with a couple of gentlemen. 
and uh, I guess I use that term loosely, gentlemen, because she came back from the uh, bathroom, tested her drink because she felt uncomfortable. It came back positive for date rape drugs, and uh, she ended up posting that picture on Twitter, and it went viral. Just it shows that it, it's real to people, um, in, in that it's a it's a real thing that can happen to anybody. Date rape. And also it shows that our technology is real and has a real world impact. And that's really, really validating in terms of how, um, how we envision this technology working and the impact we wanted our company to have. I know you're still in the process, uh, you've said, of rolling this out across the world, so that's probably your immediate focus. But, you know, what's the next step now for Undercover Colors? Where do you go from here? What are the kind of technologies you're looking at? Yeah, at this point, um, we're kind of looking in two real markets, right? So we're looking at our drug-facilitated sexual assault market and making sure that's continuing to expand around the world. But we're also building in uh, new drugs and whatnot. Uh, We've got prototypes in the lab that can detect both benzodiazepines and ketamine. Um, And we're continually keeping track of what drugs are being used. Um, There's some on the horizon that we're starting formulation development for now. But we're looking into new markets as well, specifically the human health market. Um, There's been a huge shift over the last couple years in at-home testing. You have companies like Everly Well who are offering sample collection um, test kits, but nothing that's really instant and um, a sort of test and interpret at home. Um, Those are much more limited in terms of uh, certain biomarkers, infectious diseases, things like that. Uh, So what we're aiming to do is expand into that realm. Uh, Two tests that we have in mind at this point are the uh, strep throat test, and that would be our our strep chip, and a flu test, which would be the flu chip. Um, We really want to eliminate some of those uh, more invasive sample collection techniques, such as the throat swab and the nasal pharyngeal swab for the flu test, because we believe that would would make it uh, a... That would make it uh, more palatable for someone to use at home and um, also even potentially in the clinical setting when you're dealing with children and people that are uncomfortable with those invasive techniques. And these would all be lateral flow-based tests? Correct. They would all be based on our diagnostic chip platform, which uh, at the center of it is this 12-millimeter long lateral flow test strip, um, smallest in the world as far as I know. And, uh, you know, that the inherent uh, properties of having a shorter test strip uh, come, come down to, you know, you have faster test results simply because the liquid has less distance to travel, but also you need lower sample volumes. So, um, you know, you can reduce uh, the need to collect large amounts of sample or to dilute sample with buffer. Um, it's really a, it's a nice system. And what about um, digitizing the test? Is that something that's on the cards? Because um, obviously a lot of lateral flow work now is moving into the the digital area, and especially with data collection. Is that something you're also looking at? Yeah, I I think it's it's necessary for us to look at with the way that the market's evolving. Um, You know, if we were to have one of these uh, tests like the strep chip at home, we would want to be able to connect the patient directly to a healthcare provider so they, they could kind of skip that step of having to go into the clinic to get a prescription. Um, so partnering with telemedicine companies, partnering with data collection and analysis companies are all going to be critical for the success of these at-home tests in the future. 
Fantastic. Nick, thanks ever so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. That's all from Sonacast this week. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes. Also, make sure to follow us on social media to keep up to date with all the latest news and analysis from Team Sona. You can follow us on Twitter, at Sona Nanotech. On LinkedIn, search for Sona Nanotech Inc. On Facebook, also search for Sona Nanotech Inc. And on Instagram, at Sona underscore Nanotech. Team Sona will be attending various industry events throughout 2019 and 2020, where we will be recording future podcasts. If you would like to be one of our special guests, get in touch with us through any of our social media channels. Also, we would love to get your feedback on Sonacast, so please get in touch to let us know what you think or if you have any ideas for future guests or content. Music